Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya FM 95.9. Now, if you've actually got a handle on the savings and you're ready to make some sort of investment because you really want to grow this money, we're not getting great interest rates at the moment. Obviously, it's beneficial for people that are, you know, reducing their debt or buying property. But in terms of savings, it's a very low rate. So we want to look at ways of growing our uh, our savings. And one of the ways of doing that is looking at investments that will grow that little pot of money that you have. Uh, you know, whether you're spooked by local policy politics, nervous about the economy, or just feeling like there may be better options, you could be looking outside of South Africa if you want to take some of that money and invest it offshore. But what exactly does that mean and how do you go about doing it? J.M. Boucher of J.M. Boucher Investing joins me now to give us some insights. A very good evening to you, um, uh, Joseph. Good evening to you and Sakaya listeners. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I think maybe let's just look at what an offshore investment is first and what that entails. Well, simply, um, an offshore investment means, you know, whatever type of investments you would invest in outside South Africa. Uh, but what we tend to mean when we say offshore, we basically uh, meaning uh, Europe and America. We then don't say offshore would be, say, Nigeria, because really it's not a domestic investment. So offshore, uh, you know, in the financial jargon, refers to um, investments um, overseas, uh, which would be mainly Europe, um, China, uh, you know, Asia, uh, and, um, and the United States of America. Okay, maybe let's look at how much money you need and, you know, what are the risk factors involved in actually taking your money overseas? Do you need to first, you know, assess your profile and understand why you want to take this money overseas? I agree with you 100%. So what you do is, you see, one of the key issues, um, uh, I think we once started about this, is that when you invest mm-hmm. in your money, it's almost like, you know, you, 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 you have lots of eggs and you, you want to carry the eggs and you say, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket because if this basket falls, then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I lose everything. So, so you want to spread your risk. Uh, when you spread your risk, you also spread your potential returns because remember, risk and returns are very correlated. You know, everything you invest in is risky, but it gives you also returns. And they say the higher the risk, the higher the potential returns. So if you are a African investor, what you want to do is to say, here is my portfolio. Um, I'm invested on the stock exchange, uh, joint stock exchange, but I also want exposure uh, to the American, to the Asian, to the European uh, stock market. And so what you do then is you take your money um, through the foreign exchange process and then you apply to go and invest or offshore. And there are various ways to, to do that, you know, through mutual funds, uh, units trust, uh, and direct share shared purchases, depending certainly uh, with the relationships you have with uh, offshore traders or brokers. Um, Because if you're investing offshore, you have to, as an investor, then change your money from the local currency, which is the rand, the ZAI in our case, uh, Mm -hmm. to the US dollars or uh, to the euro or to the British pounds 
uh, depending where you put in the money. So that involves you converting your money into US dollars. Now, if we take simplistic, uh, let's assume the rand is trading at one is to 17 to the dollar. So if you're investing $10,000, it means you need 170,000 rand. So then it also depends really with the investors, what are the type of minimums they, uh, you know, they would allow. But as a South African, you are allowed to take a certain portion of your, you've got your annual allowances and holiday allowances you can take offshore. And I think the maximum allowed was 1 million rand. Yes, so it's 1 million rand. So you have up until 1 million, but what is the minimum that you, I mean, taking into account the exchange rate, our money, we need so much more in order to make the exchange rate either in the US or in Europe. Um, but what is the minimum amount of money that we can have um, in order to invest offshore? I, I, people really are looking at about 250,000. You know, most, most fund managers, portfolio managers possibly want you to do at least a quarter of a million, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to invest offshore. Um, so a quarter of a million uh, would be roughly what, uh, about um, um, 15,000 US dollars. Um, mm-hmm. So that becomes really the minimum. But it varies from manager to manager in terms of what they would allow you, uh, you know, to, 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 to invest in. But certainly, I think, you know, you're looking at a quarter of a million um, uh, for, for most managers to be able to accept uh, you as a client to invest with them. Remember, if it is too small as well, you know, you won't be able to buy uh, many assets depending what you're looking for. You know, if you want to buy property, um, you, you know, so so you need to say how much are properties, whether it's a one-bedroom uh, flat or three-bedroom house, that you won't be able to get it for less than, say, uh, $50,000. US dollars. So there are different ways of doing it. So you don't necessarily have to put it into a fund. You can also buy an asset overseas and it can fall under that one million allowance that we have in um, for South Africans. A hundred percent. So you can put it in property. You can put it in the money market. You can put it in a bank. Remember also even sometimes, uh, you know, we say the dollar itself because of the value, you know, the preserving fact that it's a globally accepted currency of choice of reserve um you know just keeping money into a dollar account becomes also an asset allocation and so on because mm. you know those are hard currencies that are considered to be uh you know to preserve value so you could just take uh, fifteen thousand dollars you put it into an account with an overseas reputable overseas bank or institution um as the rent depreciates it means you know, your your rent value is, is growing. Some uh, banks in South Africa actually uh, offer these kind of products where they allow you to invest the money and they will change it into the currency and it um, they allow it to grow for you and they manage it. Uh, am I right? It's a similar thing. It falls into, under the offshore investments as well. Hundred percent. So you've got lots of, uh, you know, most of. The, I mean, we've got most of the top five banks in South Africa that can do that. Mm. But we also have uh, representative banks like Citibank uh, here in 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 SA. So so certainly, I think you are also able to invest your money, uh, opening account or an offshore account with uh, one of the local banks or overseas branches that is based here in uh, in South Africa, Jobbik, I mean, mostly in Cape Town.
You know, Joseph, we always talk about the risk factor and, you know, you need to assess yourself and understand what's your risk profile. How much risk can you actually have um, and how much risk that you can actually take as a person? You know, some of these things can be really, really stressful and you feel like you want to go into a safer bet. But if you do decide, um, you know, to diversify and put your money overseas, I mean, how, how quickly can you access it? People always feel that if it's further away and you can't actually walk into a branch and talk to a manager and say, I want my money back because here it's in another country. There's always that safety aspect and that risk factor that comes into play. And people feel very uneasy about that. I mean, how quickly can you access your money if if you dis- if you feel like, you know, you need the money, you want to pull it out, something's going wrong there, or you just, you need it for something? So, so the two asset classes really that are very liquid. When we say liquid, it means you can take your money uh, you know, within 24 hours, you've got the money in your bank or immediately depending where you want to mm-hmm. do it. So if you put money in a bank, you know, in a normal bank account, then it's a check account uh, or current account uh, or an account, uh, you can take your money anytime uh, from that bank. The other option would then be going through listed uh, securities. So listed securities then would encompass both bonds, which is your fixed income, uh, then equities, you know, on the different stock exchanges. Um, uh, depending certainly if you'd invested in Amazon or look at uh, Tesla, you know, Tesla has done fantastic. I mean, this is a guy who grew up here in South Africa uh, or mm-hmm. was born here in South Africa who is doing the electric cars. So if you had invested in Tesla, uh, you know, in the shares, certainly, you know, you would have made lots of money uh, today. But, uh, you know, these are uh, equities at any particular time. You know, anything can change as well. Uh, so, so within the equities, um, you can uh, in disinvest in three days. In other words, over um, uh, three days, one day, you can get your money back. So that is very liquid. But if you had decided to invest in bonds, uh, I mean, sorry, not in bonds, in houses, uh, you know, you buy a property, um, certainly I think it might take you time to be able to, to disinvest. So that's where the risk is. Uh, you know, you, you put money into assets that are very liquid. You, you can turn into cash uh, quickly and some will take a little bit longer. But mainly your listed instruments, you can take your money within three days maximum. Joseph, how important is it to seek financial advice, speak to a broker, somebody that's in the know? Because you may have a bit of money that you want to dabble with or offshore, but, you know, just like you're talking about Tesla, I mean, you would know the figures from where they started trading to how they grew over the years or the last decade. Um, how important is it to get that kind of advice, somebody to uh, steer you in the right direction and say, listen, this is a good bet. This has given us really good returns. Somebody to show you, you know, uh, the performance of, of a certain stock over a couple of years so that you know where you're going and you have some sort of certainty or, uh, you know, uh, an understanding as to maybe how much your money is going to grow for you over the next couple of years? So certainly I think advisors are very important. I I think we mustn't underplay the role of advisors. I think all of us in one or the other, we've got an advisor. I mean, your friend is an advisor on different issues, whether it's paid or not. But certainly sometimes it's always good to bounce 
um, ideas of people who are experts into that. So when you talk about investments, you know, you've got people whose job every single day is to look for investment opportunities. So they look at sales, they analyze the company, they look at the profitability to say, where is this company going? Um, and are they going to be able to generate the profits required uh, over a certain period. So, so advisors are very important. I, I think if you look in terms of um, the independent financial advisors in South Africa, I think you know you're getting what three thousand, five thousand uh, number of uh, financial advisors mm. you can get. So it is very, very uh, uh, important, you know, to be able to if you wanna invest, uh, you know, uh, good money. Um, uh, it's, it's important to get uh, yeah, you know financial advisors on that yeah. Yeah. What about the taxes involved? I mean, obviously, you know, when you're doing anything these days, everything is linked to the banks, to uh, the South African Reserve Bank as well, especially when you're taking money offshore. Um, And the same with SARS. I mean, uh, what kind of um, what kind of requirements do you need to meet for SARS in order to invest offshore? And what kind of tax implications um, are you facing if you do any offshore investments? So, so, so certainly, I think you know you you do have uh, different tax regimes in different countries. Um, you know, you I mean, I'm sure Kaya listeners have heard of uh, tax havens. You know, have heard of mm-hmm. uh, Mauritius being a very good country. Uh, you know, there we had a couple of the islands that were tax havens. We had Switzerland. Also, people would say if you invest there, you know, you, your money, your capital gains is not taxed. So, when you invest money, you are taxed in two ways. First, you are taxed on the income you receive, uh, and your income is either dividends if you invested in shares, or interest income uh, if you invest in an interest-bearing instrument. Well, you know, so so you get tax on interest, but dividends I think you don't get tax. But you also get tax on capital gains tax. So before you take the money, certainly then compliance has to come into place where your advisor will say, well, uh, do you have the test grant to traffic and um, um, uh, revenue services? So you have to have that. And your money you send offshore, also you must declare it to the regulator, which is the South African Reserve Bank sub. So those are the two regulatory entities uh, you know you need to make sure that you are in compliance with compliant with uh, before you take money and your advisor will be able to tell you all those uh, things you know so that when you take the money back you know um, you need to make sure that you're not text twice remember you sometimes you mm. get text at source uh, at source means that's where you generated the money so that when you bring it back you're not then being taxed again because you know you you were taxed source and you had disclosed that you're taking money for investment offshore after after tax. I mean, can all these calculations be done in advance on the sum of money that you are putting um, into the investment? Because sometimes, I mean, if you're going to pay so much in tax, is it really worth it taking your money overseas? Obviously, there's a sliding scale on how much tax you are going to uh, be taxed, pay, whether it's on income or interest or capital gains. Um, is it? Are there ways of actually calculating all of this beforehand so you see whether it is, I mean, you could grow your money, but if you paying so much of tax, is it actually beneficial at the end of the day? You know, I think your advisors is able to do the calculations, um, but mm-hmm. also we do what we call scenarios, you know, to say what happens if the tax regime changes, 
you know, what would, uh, what is the implication? So you do some few scenarios. Um, so, you know, in a progressive country, certainly what they want to do is to encourage uh, investments, um, and hence they would, uh, you know, uh, lower the, the tax, the tax rate so that people are encouraged to, to do savings. That's why the government, I think, uh, you know, they were also saying uh, for the first 30,000 is tax free. Uh, and giving people some tax uh, breaks so that you know we encourage people to save for ten. Uh, so certainly, I think the planning came so friends, you know, this is the tax input, um, uh, and then you put in what we call a tax efficient structure. people filter? I think you raised it earlier on. You know, you um, might not pay tax now, but on liquidation, you are always going to pay tax. A lot of people fail to understand that. What you're doing is basically just deferring the tax payment so that you can invest yeah. the money grow. But when you start liquidating or wanting to, if I can use the word, consume the money, you know, uh, you're going to pay tax. Yeah, there's no getting away from the tax, man. No, you I can't. mean, you know, just, <laughs> yes, it, there's always, and it's, it's, uh, I think it's always advisable to do all of these calculations before you actually get into it because, you know, sometimes if you get taxed heavily at the end and then you want to fight with your broker because this is not the amount of money that I put in, this is not what I was expecting. So I think it's really important to do those calculations before time. You know, right? I was, I was reading something. I agree 100% sure about that. But certainly mm. the tax system started long ago because remember right in the beginning, you know, the chiefs, the tribal lands, you would pay what you call land tax, you know, which was being collected to be able to fund the government. So tax has always been there and you can't run away from it. So the authorities will always find ways of, um, um, you know, kind of uh, getting money from all of us. Yeah, I suppose it is very important. Um, sorry to cut you off, Joseph. Uh, I suppose it is very important, but it is still, if you have a bit of money and you are diversifying, uh, I mean, you've been in the business for a long time. Does it give you fair enough gains? You know, I think it's always smoothed out. I, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people actually sometimes overdo it, and hence your administrative costs of those as well uh, could actually eat into all those gains you think you're getting gains. So people need to be very careful that sometimes, you know, you, you end up having so many agreements, so many uh, documentations, and you're paying for all of those. Because remember, there is always a transaction cost uh, to most of these uh, things we put together. So, so, so sometimes the benefit is very minimal um, uh, in the short term. But I guess if you really put it in the long term, uh, you know, you'll be able to reap the benefits. Joseph, thank you so much for your time. It's always so good to chat to you. Please be safe. Take care out there. Thanks so much for your time this evening. Fantastic. That was Joseph. Take care as that well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Joseph M. Boucher, founder of J.M. Boucher Investing. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu. Every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. Kaya FM, home of the Afropolitan. Rewinding. Rewinding Kaya FM on FM Rewind. Visit kayafm.co.za for more.